0: That was okay. So, in the context of what we've been talking about, you mentioned about the middle path. And most people don't really quite know what that is. So let me give you a kind of an idea mm-hmm. of what the middle path has as a quality to it. Because in the Dhamma Chakra Sutta, the very first sutta that the Buddha taught, he followed that middle path analysis right into the Eightfold and Noble Path, including the Four Noble Truths, and that was the teaching. Now, here's the point. The middle path has many different ways of looking at it. And the original way of looking at it was is that here he had gone through all of this jhana practice. And by the way, the five guys that he told this sutta uh, to was the very first uh, talk that he gave at the Deer Park. It's yep. uh, Tanya outside of Varanasi. Uh, so he gave them this and they had already been with him. In fact, this was the same crowd that uh, literally a couple of three months before had abandoned him for getting fat. Oh. And so now he's approaching, he's still uh, uh, fat and, and, and full-bellied, but he comes to tell them, and they listen to him teach about the middle path. Now, the two kinds of things that he had done together with those is go to the extreme of jhana that he went to the very, very best teachers, Alakalama Kalama and Rama Ramabhuta, and then he found out that that wasn't working. So the next thing he did was go full circle in the other direction over to the austerities that, that are associated basically with the historic, not the Jainism of today, but a historic Jainism where self-flagellation and um, uh, doing things to harm the body as spiritual exercises and learning to control the mind, that was what they were doing then. Mm -hmm. And they still do it today. I don't think that it's the Jains who claim to do that, but I'm not sure. But you know that that kind of stuff is done, uh, as well as a lot of magical stuff. There's one guy that is known to take a great big fish hook and, and hook it around a couple of his ribs, hang it by a rope onto a limb of a tree, and then he's sitting there with that rope tied to him while he's dangling in the air and he's literally dancing. He is that's not cool. trying to hold back the pain. He's oh, wow. managed it completely. But he uses the same hole year year after year or time after time when he does this.
1: Okay. Wow, okay. that's that's not that sound is, fun at all. Pardon? That does not sound fun. <laughs>
0: Maybe I will start introducing you to a uh, time and place in India that you didn't know much about.
1: <laughs> Go for it.
0: Because this was the India that I was most intrigued with, the magic and the um, uh, the self-porture. And uh, you do know that the Jains, uh, the priests especially, always wear a face mask because oh. they don't want to inhale any insect. And they also take a little broom that they use to sweep the pathway to make sure that there's any animals on the path, that they can sweep that animal safely out of the way. Mm -hmm. And they run across all kinds of things besides uh, uh, small snakes, spiders, and things that you might be afraid of. They find ants and everything. So there they are sweeping their way down the path just Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're not killing anything. Mm-hmm. But those are the guys that don't do these heavy-duty austerities that the Buddha got involved with. He, one of the things that he did was nearly starve himself to death.
1: Yeah, I've seen those. This, um,
0: yeah, so these are levels. the representations of uh, how thin he was while he was doing the austerities, and, and that, in fact, uh, he was so good at it that everybody was clapping for him because he was the very best jhana dude, and now he's the very best self-forger dude in India,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he's rejecting both sides of this as the two extremes. But many people mistake this concept of the high that he is um, uh, uh, tossing over at one extreme with merely going the pleasures associated with going to the brothel, or getting drunk, yep. or uh, living a life of uh just pleasure seeking that in fact he puts the jhana dudes in that realm of just pleasure seeking get the mind get the dopamine running in there i mean it's a self-administered drug
1: yeah pretty much
0: okay so uh but when those guys come out of that state they're no better off in their living okay so, so Buddha do do? is looking for something else. He's looking for something that actually does work. That's a long-term middle path between these two extremes. And that this is what happened then when he went to, uh, uh, to Bodh Gaia under the, uh, the sapling of the famous tree. Um, yep. I spent quite a lot of time in Bodhgaya Gaya in 1982, I think it was. So, okay. um, When I, um, when the Buddha was sitting under that tree, he—that's when he put together his understanding and his teaching of the path, yep. including the four noble truths, the eightfold noble path. How uh, the practice that was associated with jhana is actually part and parcel of the path itself. Yep. And so there is the quality of meditation. But in this regard, the meditation that we're doing is to get the mind fit for work. Okay. To get the mind sharp and focused, not to get it silent, but to be able to train it so that your mind is able to think about the things you want to think about rather than having the mind wander away the way that it normally does. Okay. All right. And so you can think of Johnna as basically an untrained dog in a cage. If you train that, uh, if you call that dog, he's not going to come to you because one, he's not trained, and two, he's in a cage and he couldn't if he wanted to.
1: Okay.
0: What you want is an animal or a dog that will come when it's called. Yep. That pays attention to what's going on. Yep. This is the kind of mind that we're wanting to develop, and that's the middle place. That's the middle path. Why? Well, it's because that kind of mind then that we learn to develop is actually a a safety net or the bottom line for where where the Jhana dudes, when they're coming out of Jhana, instead of crash-landing back into hindrances, they land into this state where the mind is still fit for work. Okay. All right. Now, this mind that's fit for work uh, in the suttas is talked about in the sense of applied and sustained thought in the sense that you can apply the mind to that which you want to apply it to, and you can more or less keep it there. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, we do that all the time in our life. Sometimes we're good at it and sometimes we're not. An example is reading a book. Sometimes we're getting really into a book and we can read and we get every sentence and every paragraph. And when you turn the page, we know what we're doing. We know what was on that page before. But there's many times we're also reading. The mind gets on the page. We see what's going on a little bit. We have a thought about it. And now the eyes are on the book following along line by line, but we're thinking about something else. We're lost. We're not doing what we intended to do. Well, that's the normal mind. That's how we are in a normal world. So the training of the mind that we need to do, which has been now wrongly labeled as meditation and then wrongly labeled that jhanas fit into this.
1: All right. So then what is it that it's the entire path?
0: Well, here's the way that we look at it is by practicing the Eightfold Noble Path, including right view and right sati. And right sati is to remember, to keep coming back and keep coming back. It doesn't mean mindfulness. It means to remember. And another way of saying it is to wake up. Wakey, wakey. Come back to the here now. Come out of your head and come back into the real world. That's sati. Okay. And then, and then the next one is what I was about to talk about is that while the Buddha was sitting under the Bodhi tree, one of the key ingredients that he ran across, which actually helped him pull the whole thing apart and put it into context, was the little phrase he used Aha, I see you, Mara. Yep. I, aha, I know you, Mara. Aha, I see you, Mara. And that what happens at that point? Is is that before that instant, before that waking up, before that aha, happened, the mind was in the Mara. The mind was What's the Mara.
1: Mara, Mara is
0: uh, Mara great. is Mara is the word that I'm using right now for a mind that's uh, scattered, that it's stray, that it is in a state of want. It's in uh, agitation, worry just like when the mind is uh, trying to read a book and the eyes are on the book, but the mind is not. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. so that when we do change the page, we can say, wait a minute, or you start a new paragraph and you say, wait a minute, what am I reading here?
1: I not remember this.
0: Yeah, I want to see what this is, but I don't even know what they're talking about now. I've got to go back up to the top to of the page back. and yep. start reading again so that I can keep track of what's going on. Or sometimes even on YouTube that we will say, wait, what, what a minute? And then we'll back up the video a few frames and make sure that we're getting what's going on. Okay. But if we got it the first time, then we got it and we know that we got it. But in many cases, like we're really lucky with a book, we can back that up. Mm -hmm. We can go back to the top of the page. With the video, we can back up. You can't back up the mind. We don't have a backup button. Nope. <clears throat> sorry about that if you lost it you lost it
1: yep that's true
0: and most of the time we spend our time in a, a thought pattern that's losing it yep we're not keeping track we're not looking at what's going on we're not woke up and so that's why i said the first thing that i said to you that the old master wouldn't give you an example of oh well here's buddhism you go figure it out for yourself the old master will say Look at what you're doing, because mm-hmm. that's exactly what we're talking about here, is look at what we're doing. And so we're practicing the Eightfold and Noble Path by doing so, and the, the first one is right view. Right view is the yep. most important. Yep. Right view comes first. If we don't have right view, then sati doesn't mean anything. We've got to put sati in a context.
1: Okay. And so
0: the right view would be to wake up and be here now. And okay. then sati is the waking up, and now we are here now.
1: Oh, so the uh, the right sati is the doing, the right view is the actual
0: overall about the encompassing it. understanding. In other words, you called me because of right view. Okay. You had the view that maybe I ought to call that old fat
1: man. Yep, pretty much. Okay.
0: So that's one's right view, and it's going to get bigger and broader. As, as the skill of uh, sati, et cetera, grows, so will your all-encompassing view. So that you begin, like a dog that's got his nose on the ground, he may be able to follow a path because his nose is right down there in the dirt, and he can smell this part and that part and find his way through. You know dogs smell in stereo. That's how they can follow a path. If yep. it in stereo, it would be really hard for them to figure out. But because they can get digressions between this nostril and that nostril, they can follow a path. But we don't need the dogs anymore. Let's think about a drone now. All we have to do is put the drone in the air and we say, ah, there's our target right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the dog can't do that. He's got to follow that little, tiny little path. So as our view grows, we can see things that other people just can't see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is actually called wisdom. Mm -hmm. And a really easy, quick understanding of wisdom is to think about um, a rifle or a gun. Now, that's dukkha. That's that's, that's a a, a terrifying thing, and I'm doing it on purpose, okay? Why? Because where the barrel is pointed is its most dangerous place. Whenever the gun goes off, what's it going to hit? Yep. And so that's what we pay attention to, is which way is the gun pointed? Is it pointed in a safe direction or not? Okay. But we don't do that with our minds. We don't make Sorry. that discrimination, but we do with a rifle. So the wisdom about a rifle is look where it's pointing, because oh, really? that's where it's most likely to cause great damage if it goes off. And so also, too, we can start to understand right view is looking at the way that the mind is pointing. In case it goes off, is it going to cause any damage? So that's the kind of wisdom. It's not the only kind, but that gives you an idea that what we're doing here is we're beginning to look at how things are going or what's the direction things are pointed in. this is one's uh, wisdom, a right view.
1: So we want to look at where the mind is pointing and we don't want it to point to certain things.
0: Exactly, we want to start making choices about what we allow the mind to do.
1: Yep, okay.
0: Okay, and that's in fact exactly what we mean by applied and sustained thought. We apply it to the direction, like we point the rifle in a safe direction, and we make sure it stays in that safe direction. Yep.
1: Okay. Okay. So you can.
0: Now, go ahead. No,
1: I was just going to say you could, it's possible to do that all the time. Well, as long as you remember.
0: Yeah, as long as you can remember. So this is basically the teaching of the Buddha. Okay. Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. What is Dukkha? Well, look at how things are going. Look at the way things are pointing. And then stand out of the way. Okay. Okay. So, now let's start labeling it in the more traditional way. And that is that is that we've got hindrances that are to be removed from the mind. Yep. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about here, is to have the wisdom to decide what kind of thought would be a hindrance and what kind of thought is not. Yep. If I'm in a really pleasant state, what kind of thought am I going to have that's going to pull me out of this pleasant state? And what kind of thoughts am I going to have that are going to keep me in a very pleasant state?
1: So, thought, so thoughts can keep you in the pleasant states as well. It's, it's not like... As as soon as as there's thoughts, pleasant states get weaker or anything like that.
0: So you do understand, though, that unwholesome negative thoughts can pull you out of a state of pleasure. Yep. For instance, making you afraid. You think about some fearful thing and now you're afraid. You're feeling fear. That's not a very uh, uh, satisfactory state to be in. No. A state of agitation or worry or something like that. And it's possible to sort of
1: stop all of those unwholesome thoughts.
0: Yes. And we need to learn how to do that long before we ever get to the point of learning how to stop the mind altogether. We need to start training it a little bit in the sense of learning to control it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The first, we learn to control it a little bit occasionally. Yep. And then we practice on both getting a little bit more of it and keeping it a little longer, while at the same time we're increasing the frequency of our sati. This is the primary skill to be developed of the Eightfold Noble Path of skills. That in fact, maybe the word path is not right, because we think of always a path as like a, a, a primitive highway or something, or um. Perhaps another word that would be useful would be method. Okay. Like a method of practice or a way of practice, but it's called path. And because of that English language word, we get the wrong kind of idea about it. Yeah, definitely. But but really the path is um, more of a method or more of a way of doing things. By the way, I've got a friend, Matt, calling in. Do you mind if he joins? Yeah, of course. Okay, all right, I'll bring him on there. So, basically, we're beginning to look at what the Buddha's teaching is from the perspective of the Eightfold Noble Path as it applies to the mind. A lot of people, when they hear about the Eightfold Noble Path, it's just a list of things. It doesn't really mean much of anything. Rather than understanding that, wait a minute, this is the method. To get our minds straightened out, first off, we have to get at least pointed in the general right direction with one's right view.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because wrong view is going to be chaos. Yep. One one of the ways that I would even say it would be that wrong view is, quote, I can get away with it. Yep. Okay, if I can get away with anything, then that means that I don't need anything like meditation. Yep because I can get away with it anyway, okay? So this is more or less a criminal mind. And that's wrong view. But there's an ordinary right view, but that ordinary right view has a whole lot of rules in it saying, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to play this game, and you got to do that over there, and all of that kind of stuff. And when you get your act together in that regard, then you can move on to a higher level. But Sila comes number one, Okay and that we can in fact that's what the society is it's just a very large collection of inappropriate rules yep that's all it is and we need to come out of that and start using our wisdom mind by seeing what is actually there in the sense of which way the barrel of the gun is pointed what is dukkha and what is dukkha naroda Okay. What is satisfying and what is not satisfying. Most students say they need to practice meditation. Why? Because they're dissatisfied with the way that they are. Yep. Definitely. Okay, so we want something from it. And that wanting then is exactly opposite of the state that we're trying to practice. Trying to get into a state of not wanting. So wanting to be in a state of not wanting is kind of humorous, but that's quite possible to do. Yeah. Desiring desirelessness. Yep. Or or another way of saying the same thing from a different perspective is, oh, Lord, please give me patience right bloody now.
1: Yeah, it kind of is. Never really thought about it in that way before.
0: Right. So we want it and we want it right now.
1: So we got to do it.
0: Well, the thing of it is, is to let go of the wanting and be satisfied with what we have. See, the training really is in satisfaction. But we have to train satisfaction correctly with right uh, effort. So now that we've got the right eye, uh, view and we've got the right uh, uh, waking up, that we woke up to it, Many students, by the way, will wake up when they're uh, in a meditation retreat or something and they've got the idea that I should be watching the breath. And then they'll wake up to recognize, oh, wait a minute, I'm not watching the breath. Yeah. But instead of coming back and watching the breath, what they will do instead is, oh, no, this meditation is so hard. Oh, this is monkey mind. Oh, this is so much work. And by doing that, they're staying stuck in the same mentality that they were when they first had the wake-up call. They yep. just rolled over in bed and, and uh, tried to ignore what was going on, but also they were suffering. And so we have to make a big change in there. So this point about, aha, I see you, Mara," actually has a quite significant point because before that point, you were the hindrance. You were the Mara. You were caught in the thought or the feeling. An example of that is we say, I am angry or I am sad. Yep. Okay. But you are not angry. You are not sad. Those are just merely feelings in the body, and you are not the feelings. Yeah. They, so, aha, they I go. see you, Mara, is that separation, coming out of that selfishness or coming out of that personality to see what that personality is doing okay and now that you're seeing what that personality is doing you, you disapprove of it by saying aha i see you mara but in that regard we've also now thrown already out the mara and the me being that mara and have come into the position now of aha i see you mara so now that's the new thought and this aha i see you is a very important point that we can use when we talk about uh, the, the next item, which is actually one's right effort, is to gladden the mind or change the mind or put the mind in a better state than it would have been by just merely catching the mind uh, wandering away. Because nobody likes it but that their mind is out of control.
1: Not at all, no. I um, by the way. Go ahead. Sorry, just to stop you for a second, Um, I, in about 10 minutes, I need to go um, get ready for work. Um, okay. But I should be on tomorrow and most of the other days as well.
0: All right. Well, so, I invite you to call me back, uh, but meanwhile, we'll throttle on at a, at a at a better clip. First thing I need to do, though, is introduce Anapanasati anapanasati means in and out breathing sati so we're going to actually use the breath
1: in and out breathing okay
0: but it's also step one of anapanasati is the long breath indicating that we need to get the uh, if we're going to get the mind really fit for work we need to get it oxygenated. Uh. Now, a lot of people who think that they're going to be doing high jhanas, they say, well, in the fourth jhana, that means that your breathing is almost gone. In fact, the body is really close to death. It's so shut down. Yeah, I have heard that, about that. That, the very, that. The breathing is really shallow. Yep. Right. But we're not practicing the fourth jhana. We're practicing what the Buddha taught. Okay. And the Buddha taught deep breathing. To be aware of that long, deep in breath, and be aware of that long, deep out breath.
1: So you actually so control it. You, you control make it along.
0: precisely. If you're not controlling it, then you're not really paying much attention to it. And if that's so, then the mind is really easy to wander away from it. But if you're actually mm-hmm. right there on making sure the the breath is happening correctly, you're much more likely to continue correctly doing it. Here's an example of that. If you intentionally are uh, looking at, you intentionally take a long, deep in-breath, that means that you have to remember it. That's sati. When you intentionally put a long breath out, you do that intentionally. Again, that's sati. So with each breath, we've got two versions of sati going once we wake up. So we're beginning to develop a skill when we're doing deep breathing.
1: And we do deep breathing the whole time,
0: is it? As long as you can remember.
1: Okay.
0: Now, how deep is up to you, but it's good for you to experiment and play with it. The important point is, is that you're getting enough oxygen because normally the mind gets really lazy and shuts everything down including and especially our supercomputer the human part of the brain the frontal cortex is that which takes almost all of our effort and energy and because it's such a hog we keep it shut down most of the day okay and by doing so then we're not breathing so much and we're not using so much blood and all of that kind of stuff so this is really an activity this is an effort right effort has to be put in
1: yep okay
0: Okay, so the right effort is to start taking a deep breath, but we're also going to take the right effort of changing the mind and what's in it. So, aha, I see you is, in fact, a very glorious thing to do. That wakes up the mind. It separates us from our stuff. It takes us out of it. So that's the quality of the sati. And with the right effort, it brings to there a bit of joy. In the Anapanasati Sutta, the Buddha talks very much about, uh, basically, the Anapanasati Sutta is broken into four major groups. And these four major groups are associated with body, feeling, mind, and mental objects. But it's not to be practiced that way. You cannot, for the first hour, send the body into the meditation hall while everything else stays in the bed. And then later you send only the feelings in and now it's feeling meditation time and you keep the body and the brain inside the bed. You don't do it that way. When you go into the meditation hall, you got to take it all in there, which means you need to work on it all the time, all the, not all at the same time instantaneously, but one by one as they occur as a dance or as a mix inside the mind. Right. So Anapanasati has these various aspects to it. And so, and uh, um, step number nine is actually sati, to wake up, to see what the mind is doing. To see it, is it on the breath or is it not? Are you taking deep breaths or you're not? So that's the wake up. Uh, Step 10 then is gladdening the mind. All of this I've been trying to get around to to give you that one phrase, gladdening the mind, making it bright, making it happy, making it shiny. Aha, I see you, Myra is to come into a state of joy and satisfaction because we've just done something really important. We just woke up. Okay. We just woke up. We just came out of our crap.
1: And I mean, you can you can do this even when you're not formally meditating.
0: I don't recommend formal meditation, but a lot of students do it. Oh, I really? Recommend- dharma this is dharma this is anapanasati
1: so the long breathing all that just all the time
0: as best you can remember okay but all the time is problematic because you'll start to feel bad when you catch yourself not doing it instead of being joyful when you do realize and remember and start doing it
1: yeah that sounds a bit familiar
0: so I'm, I'm uh, careful and cautious about using the term all the time and much more uh, involved with this present moment. Can you remember to do it now? That's the question. Not can you remember it next Thursday, but can oh, okay. you remember it right now?
1: It's a nice way of putting it. I like it.
0: And so as you wake up with Sati, you practice right view to get there. You practice right uh, effort to take a deep breath and gladden the mind. And what that does in combination it begins to now bring the fourth quality to it. Buddha talks about right view, right effort, and right sati run and circle around each other for a while until the next one is added. And now you have right view, right sati, right effort, and right attitude mixing together. Now, right attitude means I can do this. Right attitude means I'm getting good at being able to do what we're doing here. I'm a champion. I'm a winner. I can do this. Even to the point of having the thought, no matter how obstructed the mind gets, I can clean it out and come back to this present moment. Okay. With the idea I could, in fact, go to the police station and enjoy my visit. Even if I'm in handcuffs.
1: <laughs> wow. That's the dream.
0: No, that's just not even a goal. It's just, well, if you can do it then, then you can do it anytime. That's the, yeah. the confidence. So I'll leave you with this point, and that is, is that the Buddha was referred to with many terms, and one of them was he was referred to as a lion. Uh-huh. A champion.
1: It makes sense.
0: Okay, he was not a weakling. He was not the lamb. That okay. in Buddhism we do not practice what they is very a high ideal in uh, Christianity and Christ world is humility. Buddha's not humble. Lions not humble. Ah.
1: Uh.
0: Joyful, growling, I feel, happy, and oh, wow. powerful. That's what the lion is.
1: Okay, that's okay. that's good to think about.
0: All right, so let's, let's leave it with this then. You are not your personality. That's the mistake that almost everyone makes. I am this, I am that, I have these feelings, etc. Like that. You know, all of that can change. Yep. And it can change any time you remember to change it. That you are not who you think you are. Yep. But you can become that which you want to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: All right. So long as you're not dreaming about fantastic, magical things like enlightenment and all of that. Instead, just enjoy your life and be who you want to be.
1: Well, um,
0: I, magical I do dream about that. Yeah. All right. We'll start to live it. Enjoy. All you have to do is remember to feel good. And I'll leave you with that. And we'll continue on in a more theoretical way later. But that's all right. the that's the easy way. It really is that simple to choose. Are you going to let the old suffering continue on, the old duca, the old, old dissatisfaction that I've been in, or am I going to allow myself to have a satisfactory moment, at least for right now?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. All right, thanks. We'll see you later. See you later.